is Tansley Stearns? Tansley Stearns is your greatest challenger and biggest cheerleader. Inspirational human being who loves people. Future forward leadership. Tansley Stearns is a badass. Tansley Stearns is my mom, my hero, and I love her very much. I am Tansley Stearns, and this is Despite Impossible. I am a longtime credit union executive leading Community Financial as president and CEO. I have always admired and been inspired by people whose passion is boundless and who don't comprehend the word impossible. This show focuses on their stories. Today's guest is Andy Janning. He's a self-described nerd who loves telling stories through words and pictures, from books and speeches to films and photos, especially about cancer advocacy. Inspired by his wife's cancer-related challenges and successes, Andy is passionate about pausing cancer debt and ending terminal debt for patients through his programs partnering with financial institutions. This is Andy's story. Who is Andy Janning? Oh, gosh. Uh, I am a really big nerd. Uh, (laughs) I, I am madly in love with my wife, Carla, my wife of 23 years. I adore our grown daughters, Megan and Lauren, I have been blessed uh, to work in financial services for nearly 35 years, the best 25 uh, and counting, spending credit unions. Uh, I'm, I'm a keynote speaker. I love to tell stories through photos and film and writing. And I'm also a financial advocate for cancer patients. And I'm on a mission to convince credit unions to step up and ease the financial trauma that millions of Americans suffer due to cancer. Finish this statement for me. The world will be a better place when? Hmm. Crocs are outlawed. I am so with you. (laughs) As my daughter wears them almost daily with socks (laughs) up to her knees. I don't know who is teaching people these days about what to wear, but I am not in favor. That's, you know, that's bold. And and I admire that. Uh, Our our. Our kids, I don't think, have ever worn Crocs. If they have, they've done them on the down low. Uh, but no, I, I I do think Crocs certainly would should be outlawed. But I think a world will be a better place. I really had a noodle on this when he, when he sent it to me. I, I think the world's going to be better when I realize that the world's not going to change until I change. When mm. I realize that until my heart breaks for others, nothing else is going to change. So I need to be willing to risk my safety, my comfort, my security, my reputation, and bind up the wounds of people in my community. I need I need to let my heart get broken for the pain that's too offered, often suffered in silence around us and do the, the, the small, the hard, the necessary things that bring that peace and the healing to every corner of the world that I can nourish. Uh, so that's, uh, and if I, if I have to do that in a pair of Crocs, by goodness, I'm going to. If that's the only sacrifice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. When you're at your happiest, most joyful times you're listening to. Oh, golly. So it's it's kind of a combination. Uh, I'm a big you know movie and media guy. So when I think about listening to, it's kind of in, in concert with, with what I'm watching. But if I go with like the spirit of the question, you know, I love the sound of the ocean. That is just like it's such an eternal, a calming uh, sound. So the ocean, I love the sound of wind through the trees, like when I'm running. I also love the sound of classic hip hop. So if we're going from the sublime to the completely ridiculous, I love alternate alternative bands from the 90s and 2000s. I love my favorite movies and TV shows. And I know this is going to sound super cheesy, but I love the sound of my wife and my daughters laughing. And if they do it at me, well, that's probably why they're doing it. So <laughs> I'm I that's that's those are my favorite things in the world. What's an album you'll listen to from first song to last song? Oh, I couldn't I couldn't wait to answer this one. So my the most recently is the is the album from Hamilton. 
So not just because of the music, uh, which is extraordinary, but from where it came. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of what happened when Lin-Manuel Miranda first performed Hamilton. So, so he's, so for, for the folks who are going to be listening to this. So this is back in 2009. This is like seven years before Hamilton actually premieres on Broadway. Uh, The creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda, easy for me to say, he was invited to perform at the White House. So in front of President and Mrs. Obama, hundreds of these other world-renowned artists and celebrities and leaders at this event that's celebrating poetry and music. Now, everybody assumed that, that Miranda was going to perform something from his current Broadway musical, In the Heights. But no, he swerved. Instead, he decided to use this super prestigious, ultra high pressure event to perform something new and unheard of and untested. It was this first cut from a new project that was, in his words, a hip hop concert album about the life of someone I think embodies hip hop, Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton. You know how the crowd reacted to that? They laughed at him. All the entire crowd laughs at him. They literally thought it was a joke. There's a video in the, on the official White House page. In the video of the event, the camera cuts to President and Mrs. Obama. Both of them are laughing at him. Michelle's like laughing because, she, she, again, she thinks it's a joke. Uh, and the president's like kind of – he's kind of smirking too, but he has kind of like a finger over his mouth looking kind of skeptical like, man, I invite this guy into my house and this fool's going to sing something that's going to get me impeached. So, But the, the song starts though, and of course it's the, the first number from Hamilton called – oddly enough, Alexander Hamilton. And of course, it's brilliant. The, the music is intense. It's inspiring. The lyrics are just these dense and brilliant, intricate, you just these lumps of geniusness. Five minutes later, when the song ends, this once skeptical crowd is on their feet, led by President Obama. They're all blown away by what they've just heard. And because Lin-Manuel Miranda decided that his art and his vision weren't impossible after all. So anytime I'm getting kind of low, I look at that. Take a big chance, take a big swing. You never know what may happen. Storytelling. Just like Andy was inspired by the true story of Hamilton, we are inspired by the true stories of our members. They are our protagonists. They can have some sad parts, but we always hold out for happy endings. When they're real, they make us feel. And they make us look forward to seeing what's next. What's your story? Tell us what's made you laugh out loud recently. Oh, gosh. So this was uh, this is kind of one of those bittersweet things. So our youngest daughter, Lauren, she graduated high school this past summer, which isn't possible because she was just born like six months ago. Um, And while I was putting together a photo montage for her for her for her high school graduation party. And, you know, I have pictures literally dating back to the very first minute that she's born again because I'm a nerd. So we had hundreds of these pictures and we just sat in my office here for hours looking at these pictures and just laughing and like, you know, having little tears of like, you know, of like, you know, nostalgia and just, I mean, just laughing at ourselves and just how awkward we were. And I'm sure we're going to laugh at ourselves 10 years from now, how awkward we are now. Um, more recently, my, our oldest daughter, Megan, uh, and I, I introduced her to the classic film Airplane. Uh, which I think should be required viewing for every human being on the planet. She mm-hmm. had, she was never she wasn't aware of that movie, but we laughed so hard that our stomachs hurt. And just seeing her experience it for the first time, um, and getting to kind of see where some of my humor comes from, uh, that was kind of a cool moment too. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 those are some those are some times there that, that that I love to reminisce about. When was the last time you danced so hard your feet were sore? Oh yikes! So uh, back in college, like a million years ago. 
uh, I DJed and danced at most of the parties and events that my fraternity put on uh, because I was no one else wanted to spin the tunes and no because everybody else was out there trying to you know you know flirt and you know and hang out with girls and hi being socially awkward I wasn't going to do any of that so by God I was going to spin the tunes darn it on the ones and twos and I would go out there and I would dance not until just my feet were sore but till literally till my shoes fell apart. The floor was so was so sticky with beer that I was I was dancing so hard that literally the soles would rip out of my shoes. Again, oh. I'm a nerd. Uh, more recently, though, my wife and I were at a wedding of a former boss of hers, and there was a dance contest, and we won. And because we decided we're we're not going to lose here, and but I think my back and knees lost, but <laughs> it was it was it was still a good time. When you feel down, you heal by. So I love I love to stay active, love to exercise, uh, you know, try and run as, as much as I can, uh, try and lift as much as I can, because uh, I'm getting way older, uh, way faster than I thought. Uh, you know, prayer, meditation, uh, also just really interacting with art and artists. Again, I movies are kind of the soundtrack of my life, and the soundtrack of those movies kind of accompany that. So, you know, it could be anything from, you know, like Top Gun Maverick, which I would literally watch like once a week now. I think half of like all streaming on Paramount is probably <laughs> for me watching that movie. Uh, I love this t- this uh, crowdfunded TV show about the life of Jesus called The Chosen. I love classic TV shows like The West Wing, The Newsroom. I love movies like Secretariat, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, uh, series Stra- Star Trek Strange New Worlds, because again, nerd. Um, most recently, uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. Barbie, which I think is probably the most important movie released in the last 10 years. So uh, that's what, that's what helps me heal kind of just, you know, seeing great art and kind of seeing aspirationally what human beings could be. But then that's, and that sounds really highbrow, but uh, really uh, what we also like to do as a family, just go into our basement and just watch stupid fail videos on YouTube and just laugh at people's misfortune because, you know, (laughs) we're, 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 we are, we're, we're nutty like that. So that's, that's what we like to do too. Who's someone you look up to, Andy? Oh, golly. Uh, you know, my wife, um, just because of her story, because of her cancer journey over the last four years, she is, she would have been my default answer anyway, but she literally is the strongest human being I've ever met. Uh, my parents, my kids, these are like in no particular order. Um, I look up to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Again, I'm kind of a stan. I'm kind of a fanboy. Uh, a screenwriter named Aaron Sorkin, who created The West Wing in the newsroom, uh, probably the most accomplished and best, I think, screenwriter in the last uh, for the last 25 years. But I also love documentarians. I love storytellers, especially those that go into the dark places of the world to tell really hard stories that hopefully make good things happen. And uh, my also my heroes are every single cancer patient that I get to talk to. Do you have a mantra you live by? I've got two of them. So uh, one of them is from, you know, it's from the words of Jesus who said, love your enemies and do for others what you would want them to do for you. Uh, the other one, though, is is from Stephen King, oddly enough, uh, from his book, It, um, which I think contains the two best pages of writing in American fiction in the last 50 years. But there's a, 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 a sentence, a few sentences toward the end of the book that I will literally will be my first tattoo. And it says, be brave, be true, stand. All the rest is darkness. So that's been that's been pretty useful. Tell us about your impossible. Oh, golly. So so I'm warming up for my TED Talk here. So so my big impossible right now, uh, I'm trying to convince 
credit unions, uh, starting off with credit unions, to take these bold, these unprecedented steps to help members who are suffering just the, the catastrophic financial trauma that comes from a cancer diagnosis, cancer, which is the most expensive disease that most of us are ever going to face. That big impossible is made of these three smaller impossibles. So the first one is what I call pause cancer debt, uh, which is for credit unions to offer a 12-month pause in all non-commercial loan payments, interest, and late fees for any member that's experiencing financial distress from non-terminal cancer. The second impossible is what I'm calling end terminal debt which is when credit unions cancel the non-commercial debt they hold of every member that's diagnosed with terminal cancer. Now all of the third impossible is is kind of a is kind of a the, the kind of a binding agent. This is a group called cancer care agents. I want I want credit unions to create a position that is this dedicated team of credit union employees whose mission it is to protect and nourish the financial, the physical, the emotional well-being of members and caregivers during their cancer journey because we I think we would all admit that the financial needs of someone who is in cancer treatment who's literally trying to figure out how to keep the lights on while trying to stay alive is fundamentally different than the needs of members that are calling in just to get their current balance or to you know get a stop payment placed. So if we can find a ways as financial services starting with credit unions who I think with a beating heart of financial services to really lead out in that I think that could be transformational. Changing the world. It starts with changing your own world. It's the ripple effect. Eventually, enough raindrops flow together to form a waterfall. Andy's advocacy for cancer patients started with his care for his wife. For Community Financial Credit Union, our partnership with Andy and our Cancer Care Agents Pilot Program began with our service of helping our members negotiate their finances. What personal improvement can you make that other people might benefit from? What are some of the challenges you faced that looked insurmountable? How long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the big thing is overcoming fear and apathy. Uh, Those have always been the arch enemies of big ideas. And, you know, they sit on every board of directors. They're part of every org chart. We didn't elect them. We didn't hire them. We can't fire them, but we don't have to listen to them. Now, I say that. But there's still a lot of skepticism from really well-intentioned credit union leaders who love the ideas, the concepts, the kind of the the theory behind pause cancer debt and terminal debt, cancer care agents. But they they see so many impossibles that they will dismiss, they will ignore, they'll just dismiss all of this. And never mind the fact that there's precedent already for cancer-related payment pauses. So right now, if someone has a federally-backed student loan, and they're diagnosed with cancer, they can pause their payments to those loans for as long as their treatment lasts and then for six months thereafter. So the precedent is already there. I also believe that pause cancer debt and terminal debt would fall under this definition of what's called a special purpose credit program, which is designed to help classes of persons who are experiencing significant economic hardship and disadvantage, which the NCUA, our regulator, has encouraged credit unions to offer. Now, I say all that because, and also to say that I'm not a legal scholar, I'm not giving legal advice, I'm not giving regulatory advice either. The fundamental truth is this. Half of all Americans are going to be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lives. Because it is the most expensive medical condition that any of us are ever going to face, most of those diagnosed with cancer are going to have their lives bent and broken by this this unrelenting financial trauma. Financial services led by credit unions, we have to bend and break too. 
We have to be able to fit into those dark places. We be, have to, so we can meet our members there and we can help them find the light again. If we don't, then we're basically saying to these members who we say we love and we care about that in this member's darkest, hardest, and the most lethal season of life, when they need every penny to stay alive, we're telling them that, that we need their money more than they do. That has to change. Yeah. Was there a point during your journey that you felt like giving up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, more times than I can count, uh, especially in like the last two years. Uh, I have... I've devoted most of my time in that time to making these efforts work and basically funding pretty much all of it out of my own pocket. And last year at this time, I got to tell you, I was really low emotionally, physically, financially. I was, I was burned out. I was really discouraged that there was no institutions that really wanted to invest in piloting any of these ideas. And I was really worried about how we were going to make ends meet for the foreseeable future. Cause you know, my wife and kids have picked up this pesky food, clothing and shelter habit. And by God, I had to support it. So in the middle of all of that though, I was scheduled to travel to new Orleans to interview a guy named John Manning. He's a retired new Orleans fireman who is dying of pancreatic cancer. So this interview was part of a larger effort to put a human face on the financial struggles that uh, faced by credit union members who are suffering from cancer at any stage and try to get credit unions to step up to put, to say, this is what this looks like. So I'm down there. I spend the afternoon with uh, with John and his wife. Toward the end of the interview, though, John asked me, "Hey, why are you doing this? You know, what's why is this important to you?" I tell him about you know the documentary work that I'm doing about the financial trauma of cancer. So at that moment, he he excuses himself. Now it's it's really hard for him to move at this point because you know he's pretty far along and he's he knows that his time is pretty short. He excuses himself. He walks out of the living room, and I'm alone in the dining room with his wife Nina, who is one of the sweetest human beings God ever gave breath to. John then walks back in and I see Nina look over my shoulder and she gives this sweet little grin on her face because she sees that John has something in his hand and she knows exactly what he's carrying and why he's carrying it. So he comes back to the table. He presses into my hand a challenge coin from the New Orleans Fire Department. I'm just speechless. I'm just like looking over. I'm just turning it over. And I ask him kind of rhetorically, you know, this is a challenge coin, isn't it? So he said, that's right. And I, and I start to say, and this is, and I start to like lose my voice to get, I was getting really emotional. And his wife, Nina, she says, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And John finishes her sentence and says, that this is a challenge for you to do your documentary. And I promised him that I would. And um, <clears throat> six weeks later, um, John passed away. So I made a promise to a dying man and his family to see this through, <clears throat> to, to make these happen, no matter how impossible, because <clears throat> it's worth it. And I got to tell you, um, that interview changed my life. Um, and the, 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 the crazy thing was, that's not the most inspiring and amazing thing that happened during it. Um, the story, the photos of my time with them. I've got a multimedia essay on my site called Angels. Um, literally, it's uh, I felt my entire life pivot um, in the space of an afternoon. So I carry this coin with me everywhere I go. It is with me for every interview that I do. And it reminds me that, hey, there's there's you're impossible. You need to keep moving on it because it's worth it. <clears throat> so sorry about the tear gas, but this is important to me. 
It sure is. Please don't apologize. Would you share a story with us about something that went bananas at the time that you can now look back on and laugh? Oh, dear heaven. So this is, yeah, they're going, oh gosh, this is one of those, those blooper reel moments. So um, this work that I'm doing for the financial crisis of cancer and advocating for cancer patients, this is actually inspired by a project I got to do about three years ago for the National Credit Union Foundation, which is the charitable arm of America's credit unions, all 5,000 of them. And they gave me this opportunity to create a documentary about the financial crisis of cancer. And so they said, you know, give you basically just carte blanche, interview as many members as you can, talk about their financial crisis, what can credit unions do to help? Um, And one of those interviews was with a lady named Clara. She lives in um, the the north woods of Wisconsin, beautiful area of the country, love it to death. I go up there, I've got, and I've, and again, this is during COVID. So I'm like a gang of one. I have like all of my gear with me. I've got, this is going to be a multi-camera shoot. Again, I can't make it easy on myself. I'm going to have both an A and a B camera, boom mic, lighting, three-point lighting, all the, all the stuff, set everything up, sit down with this cancer patient to interview her. And she's pouring out this amazing story. We're there for like 45 minutes and she gets to the end of it. I'm going, that's great. And I go to the back of the A camera, which is going to be the main one that I'm going to be getting all of my footage from. And I hit the the record button to stop it. The recording begins. That's because I didn't hit record on the A camera. 45 minutes of footage of the interview, I didn't record. I had no video footage of it at all. And so, I mean, even now I'm thinking about it and I'm getting like secondhand anxiety from that moment. I just feel just the blood run completely out of my face. And I say, uh, Clara, I have a problem. <laughs> I don't think we recorded. And she says, oh, that's cool. We'll do it again. And she was like super chill about it. And so we did, we redid the entire 45 minute interview. She was such a good sport and she was just so just patient and understanding. So looking back on it, I mean, at the moment it was horrible. Um, But now I had like in all of my interview notes, if I have like the, like, you know, my script in front of me of the question to to ask the first three bullet points are always, did you hit record? Did you hit record? Did you hit record? Um, Yeah. So I have a bunch of checks and balances in there, so I don't have to have that happen. Uh, So yeah, that's, I can, I can look back on it and laugh, but not certainly not in the moment. (laughs) Achieving your impossible is one thing, but there are no fairy tales with happy endings. We reach milestones, we keep going. What challenges is your impossible still facing? Uh, fear and apathy. You know, same as before, you know, yeah. getting, getting credit unions on board, trying to solve those operational, those financial challenges that come with trying to assist our members in a way that's never really been tried, you know, at, at scale. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of little details that you'll kind of jump up a lot of little weeds and a lot of little potholes that kind of fall out under your feet. But the good thing is, is that I've got a small team of credit unions who is part of this pilot um, that have said, you know what, we're going to make this impossible happen. We're going to figure it out. It's going to, it's going to take work. But uh, yeah, I know some really cool credit union professionals who have committed (laughs) to piloting this thing and are working diligently to make it work. It's really great. I have to tell you a story about that. So to your point, we, as we are participating in this, very proud to be doing so. And Blake Woods, who's leading that charge for us, we were talking about some of the compliance challenges and, you know, 
had a healthy debate and, and people bringing up the right things, right? We are in a highly regulated environment. We got to be good protectors and stewards of our members' money. And Blake, after listening, said, you know, I hear you and we do need to figure these things out. And he said, if I'm going to go to jail for helping people that are struggling with this, please go right ahead. <laughs> I just, I almost burst into tears because that's, you know, those are the kinds of people that you want fighting for this organization and, and for our members. That, that every time you tell me that my face hurts so smiling so much because I, that, that literally does inspire me. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we want to be responsible and like you figure all these things out, but yeah. at the end of the day, dang it, we just need to, to forge ahead and make this thing work. Uh, yes. So, yeah, this, yes. so you're, you know, I want to go on as much record as I can to publicly thank you and Blake oh. and the rest of your leadership to be able to see over the horizon, to see that this, you know, we need to lead people out of the dark into the light and we can be a, we can be a part of that. So just from the bottom of my very grateful heart, thank you. Oh gosh, we're thrilled. What's your advice for folks to face their fear of inaction and use that fire in their bellies to bring their impossible to life? So we understand the world through narrative. Mm -hmm. So our, our history isn't what happened, but the stories that we tell about what happened. Our future isn't a set of bullet points of to-do list items of things to check off, but this, it's this rich narrative about how we want our lives to look and live. So I have everybody that I've ever coached and myself, I have them write a news story about themselves in the third person at least once a month, kind of you know, mm -hmm. taking a step back. And to help them focus on where they want to go, I have, I have them write a story, have them write that new story about what they want to see about themselves, what they want to celebrate in 12 months, 12 months from now. In between now and then, though, I have them look back on their previous month and I have them write a new story about themselves. That includes those highlights, the bloopers, the lessons learned. And that forms this narrative to show them where they've come from because we humans are wired to forget. We will typically forget the middle of a story because it's not very exciting. It's really painful. It, there's a bunch of suck in it, but that's where the lessons are learned. So if we can find a way to kind of tell a better story about over and through ourselves, we can do that for other people as well. And it does take time. It takes effort. But there's going to be a narrative formed one way or the other. Either you're going to write it or somebody else's. We might as well be the ones writing it because we want to get it right because other people are also taking notes. They want to be able to learn from where we've come from. And we want to be able to tell the best and truest story we can. What's your next impossible, my friend? Uh, I am I'm working for a day uh, when our industry can say with one voice that we stand with every member whose financial, whose emotional, whose physical well-being are being ravaged by cancer. We are going to do more for you than any other financial institution because we really aren't like other financial institutions, and we really do care more about you than every other financial institution. I'm I'm convinced that these payment pauses, these this debt cancellation, this these dedicated team of employees are designed to help nurture and nourish our members through this worst season of life. That's going to be some of the, arguably some of the most life-changing interventions ever done. Uh, I believe that's going to inspire a public to who will who more often than not overlooks credit unions, let's just be honest, and who kind of dismisses us as kind of being the same profit-driven entities as our competitors. But And that's important, but infinitely more important is this. I think we can heal the hurting in our communities. I know we can help every hurting member – I, we can help them believe that cancer doesn't have the final word, that we've got their back. We're going to help them find their way out of the dark and back into the light. And uh, 
that's the best impossible that I can imagine. This concludes today's episode. For exclusive content, visit us at despiteimpossible.com and subscribe to this podcast.